everybody out there. Welcome back to Stub Me Down. My name is JW. I am here as always with... I'm going to start to run out of things to call you, partner in crime, best friend for 20 years. Uh, but anyway, his name is Skinny. Skinny, say hello to the people. Hey, what's up, everybody? You can call me whatever you want. I'm not, you know, you can, not everybody else. Except for Christian. Yeah, I don't like that. Too professional. So we are here on Stub Me Down. Uh, I can't believe this, this is episode five. Great stuff to do today. This is going to be a very special episode and a first for us here at Stub Me Down. We do have a guest with us today. So we're really excited to speak with him. Um, I'll talk about him in just a second. On episode four, no apologies, Skinny and I took a look at a great show. I stubbed him down on a Phil and Friends show from November 17th, 2001 at the Stabler Arena in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. We had a great conversation, a lot of great music. Even if you don't want to hear us bullshit about the show, go back and take a look at it. A lot of fun. You're going to enjoy those couple hours of music. Today, we are honored to welcome a great friend of ours, somebody who has been mentioned a couple of times on a couple of previous episodes of Stub Me Down. He is a longtime show buddy and a great friend of not only the pod, but of me and Christian. So I'd really uh, like to welcome Billy Duar to the Stub Me Down podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on here. Hey, man. What's up, Billy? It's good to hear your voice, too. I'm glad you are uh, on with us. We're having a lot of fun with this. And uh, I think the first guy we thought about was you as far as feedback, honesty, and shows, and uh, having a good time, whether it be summer, winter, fall, spring. So I'm really interested to see what you're going to pull today. Well, I am too, because I've been enjoying the previous uh, episodes you guys have been uh, talking about. I was actually uh, at the man show and that was a good show to listen to and good memories to hear JW talk about it. I wasn't at that show, so I'm glad that you liked it so much. <laughs> Billy, Billy is indeed a man for all seasons and was definitely a key part of the 8-12-15 show that we were up at the man seeing fish it's his brother-in-law who is the infamous pummel horse. So as I mentioned, Billy is going to be stubbing Skinny and me down on a show that he is selecting from his stack of ticket stubs, and we will follow roughly the same format. So for those of you that are either catching us for the first time or don't remember what we're trying to do here, the premise of Stub Me Down is that we go through the expansive stack of ticket stubs that Skinny and I have amassed over our music seeing years, and we randomly pull a show discussing the music, some funny events that happened, all within the framework of our 20-year friendship. Um, so Billy is going to be directing that today, and we will basically find out from Billy about some of his experiences, specifically related to the show that he'll pull. Talk about that in the greater scope of his music experience and also as somebody we've been friends with for quite a while. Skinny, anything to add before we throw it over to Billy to stub us down? No, I'm really excited for us. Well, I just said no, and now I'm going to talk. I'm really excited for us. Have somebody else stub us down with you know everything we're trying to figure out here. It's nice to take the pressure off 
of getting stubbed down. So I'm ready, Billy. If you're ready, are you ready to tell us what you got? All right, Billy. Uh, you ready to stub me and skin down? All right, let's go. All right, man, let's do it. I pulled fish Saturday, March 1st, 2003, Greensboro Coliseum. Sweet, I was there. Great show. Wow, that's a great pull, Bill. Wow, man, uh, and a show that all three of us were at. I think I think the reason why I pulled it is because it was a old Ticketmaster stub. It's not one of the, you know, uh, mail orders like all my other stuff, so it felt differently in the pile. I mean, I got a ton of those because, like, there's a last-minute tickets, but that is a really good pull. I'm glad you pulled that one. Yeah, and that was – man, that was a lot of fun, that show. I remember we 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 ran down as a crew to that, you know, I think, in multiple cars, but there was a group of us down there. And that was the last night of that kind of brief winter tour that Fish was doing after they came back from the first break, the quote-unquote hiatus, and they had played – New Year's Eve 2002 at MSG. Then they did those three nights at the Hampton Coliseum in Virginia. Bill, we were down there for a couple of, I was there for three, but I think you were down for at least four or two of the nights. They did those shows. There were some, there were some moments, but they were a little bit rough. You know, they were definitely kicking off the rust there. Um, and then they embarked on this about a 12 show late winter tour that included stops in the Northeast, Philly, New Jersey, New York, and then the trek down to Greensboro. Christian, we had gone up to the show on the 25th up in Philly. Yeah, well, I was just going to say there's always this crosstalk, I think, on the interwebs about, you know, where fish plays the most. And I just got to say, I'm happy to live on the Northeast (laughs) via 95, the Southeast. And there's so much you can catch. You know, I think your your furthest drive, I think sometimes maybe be eight or nine hours. But if you really want to go 18 to New Orleans, you can. It's the, the Northeast Corridor and then going down south. It's so much fun to kind of catch uh, those shows when you're, when you're riding around the country. And the Northeast is really easy to do that. Traffic's the only problem, but I don't really care about that if you give yourself enough time. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that I'm lucky. I think that's part of uh, the reason I've seen so many shows. Uh, as well as you guys. Taking a look at this tour, this there were some moments. They really kicked it up a notch once this tour got into full swing. And I won't go over the whole tour, but there are definitely a couple of nuggets. I'm sure tunes that you are familiar with. There is obviously, of course, the night before this show is the NASA 22803 show. There's an incredible bathtub gin. There's the famous Nassau tweezer which is to, to this day one of my favorite tweezers. There was a great God of Jabu in Rosemont in Chicago at the Rosemont Horizon on the 20th. The Cincinnati show featured a really sweet Mike's Free Waste 2001 hood. So there were some moments there. And then as Christian and I were alluding to, we visited with Fish in Philadelphia at the Spectrum. It was cold as balls on February 25th. A great show there. 
but we won't talk about that because that could potentially get pulled for a future episode. When you were saying all those shows on that tour, I was not secretly hating. I was overtly hating what you were saying because I'm like, you sound like a guy in a lot that's like, I saw this and I saw that. Well, I only went to these two and this one is, is a real good one. And I'm just giving you shit, J-Dobbs. We only caught two on this. The one that we're about to talk about that Bill is stubbing us down on for me was the better of the two and one of the better 2003 shows that we saw. So let's go ahead and review in the first set. And what we'll do is I'll go through the first set. I'll throw it over to Skinny who will get us started and uh, we'll kind of take it from there. You So you got anything you want to jump in, talk about a little bit prior to taking a look at the set? For me personally, uh, this show was a really good time. Uh, I mean, aside from the weather that weekend, the weather was terrible. I remember the lot scene was difficult for us. I, uh, me and my uh, girlfriend uh, drove down for the show. We had a good time. Kimberly's only second or third show. Not that she has a huge experience because... Uh, for other reasons, she stopped going to shows with me later, but that's another story. But we had a really good time at this show, and this is one of my most memorable shows that I've had with her, with you guys as well. Didn't get to catch a lot of shows on this tour, so I was really, really pumped for it. Uh, the Hearing about the night before, back when we would check message boards and stuff like that, the Soul Shakedown party had me jazzed. I was, I was coming into this in top of the world, high spirit, looking for a really good time. Looking for a solid Fish 2.0 show, you know, what we were getting at that time. So, Billy, I, I got a quick question for you before we before we jump into this. When you go to a show like this, you've got one. They've done a tour. You can make one. Is there something that you're chasing song-wise when you come to a show like this? Is there one song that if they play this, they could shit the rest of the set and you'd leave happy? Is there something you haven't seen that you're looking for, or maybe it's a, a frequently played that you're hoping that you get? Why is this guy taking all my questions? That is a really good question, because you only get one. It can be difficult as a fan, because you don't know how that one's going to go. wanted to interrupt him, because he stole my question. Yeah, of course. There's Of course there's songs that I'm chasing. There's songs that I know I'm never going to see. Like, take the A-Train. When do you think I'm going to see that one? You know, like, or some of those ones that they haven't played in forever. Could they make the entire set for me? Sure. I think the one that I'm chasing right now is Fuck Your Face. When am I going to see that? I don't know. I, a lot of times that song falls at weird venues that are out of my travel reach, weird spots in the sets or the tours. I see a lot of my shows in the mid-Atlantic region, so I feel like I see a lot of the same repetitive songs at certain venues. So this was awesome because this was a venue outside of my normal reach, outside of the Maryland, Virginia, you know, New York, that this kind of area. So yes, to answer your question, yes, I could see a song that the entire rest of the show would be terrible. And I saw that one song and that would be the best song for me. Absolutely. Is there songs that I'm chasing? Absolutely. I think we all are. I mean, if you like your stats, we're songs we're all chasing and some of them are you know you're never going to get because Fish is never going to play those songs again. And, you know, I like to actually jump away ahead to the encore like the Proud Mary. Like, I hope they never play that again just because that is such a nice little notch on your achievement list. Well, Billy, thanks for messing up the entire, like, format of the show. Uh, and going right to the encore, I, I, that, that is I'm super appreciative of that. Uh, well, wait a minute. So since Billy did that, which I kind of love, let's go over this first set because I think Billy's provided us with some really good context. So start off the first set with Chalk Dust Torture, about a nine-minute version. So that's a good 
heavy hitter right off the bat, a, you know, a good anthem rocker in that arena. The MoMA dance came up next, approaching about 10 minutes. They hit a foam after that for an 11 minute ride. Nice little lounge act interlude with Lawn Boy. Skinny, this is the fourth fish show that we have done on Stub Me Down. And guess what, Skinny? This is the fourth fish show featuring a character zero. It's in the middle of the set, so we're just going to leave it there and we're going to move on. Billy, we'll talk about it another time. That, that should be the name of the show. We'll talk about it another time. Divided Sky, really, really nice version, almost 18 minutes. That's one of my favorite versions of Divided Sky. Mountains in the Mist, Waves, and close out the first set with a sample in a jar. So you got a nine song first set. Skinny, I'm the stats guy. We know they play about 20 to 25 songs every show, and this fits right into that range with a nine track first set. Some good song times there as well. So definitely an enjoyable first set. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great. There's some odd things in there. A lot of people don't have an affinity for foam. I love saying affinity, that's why I use it all the time. And then foam, we won't talk about it. And then there's Mountains in the Mist, which is different for me. I, I have never seen that since. So now you're talking about in 20 years, I haven't seen that song in 17. So Billy's point about chasing songs at shows I think it's really interesting here. There's a couple of things that you wouldn't chase, and I'll drive that back to Billy because we have to talk about this. We haven't had a guest on, so I kind of want to see what Billy has to say about that. Fantastic. Uh, so, uh, Chalk Dust was the first song I ever saw live. They killed it here. Super high energy. Came out, you know. I used to know that when you open a show with Chalk Dust, man, they were just going to crush it. You were expecting lots of high energy. They're going to be riffs, and you're just going to be having a great time. And I really think that they started out this venue doing that nicely. The next one was Mama Dance. Mama Dance, Kimberly actually called on the ride down there. We were listening to that. That was one of her personal favorites, and she was super stoked about actually hearing that. Taking a little bit of that edge off for that uh, Chalk Dust. Uh, I dug the film. The film was a jazzy jam. Lawn Boy came at the right time. I needed that breath, you know? And I think everybody was a collective breath over the room after that fast start on those first three songs. Character Zero, I feel like, was just the ramp for Divided Sky. Like J-Dub said, that Divided Sky was fantastic. I mean, they crushed that Divided Sky. In that in the Coliseum, too, like, the, the low stick war, you know, the lights, everything, it came together for me in Divided Sky there. Mountains in the Mist, well, everything that came together so well in Divide Sky, Mountains in the Mist was my piss song. Um, I left for that one because I had just gotten that, uh, you know, at Hampton, and I didn't want to really care to see it again. Waves, Waves was cool. I came back just in time for that one. Round Room, I believe it just came out, and I've been listening to that, and that's one of my favorites off of that. So that was also my first. Well, I feel like they just put Sample there just to end the set. They couldn't end it with Waves, and they needed something else. I think that sample was maybe like five minutes, so it was not, they weren't doing anything more than just ending the set, in my opinion, with that one. I like your breakdown of that, because I'm more prone to like not breaking anything down except for one song, and then Josh breaks it down like what his 1A and 1B song is. Uh, thank you for going through them all, because it's something that we don't normally do. You know, mix it up. I would like you to give me your take on the tray pause in Divided Sky, because... You mentioned how Divided Sky was awesome, and, and I think it is too. But as a fan, what's your take on that pause? Because 
I know what a lot of people say, and I know that you do. I just want to hear what you have to say. Is it good? Is it bad? Are you indifferent to it at this point? I think it's part of the song at this point, and it's respected. And I also know to never bet against JW about how long that pause is, because I never win that bet. Been next to him numerous times where he's like, all right, what's the time? And he whips out the clock, and we're sitting there timing it, and we're watching what's going on. He nails that time bet all the time. I like it. It's, it's part of the song. It, I like it a lot more than some of the other things that they do as part of their songs, like some of the crowd participation, the woos, and other things. But again, to each their own on those kind of things. Yeah, I, I think that's a great answer. Josh, what, what, what do you got to say about the Trey pause? It's all about length and time. I prefer to call it Trey's ego pause because he's a rock star at the end of the day, and he stands there, and he holds that note, and everybody screams and hoots and hollers. And I remember specifically at this show, and I don't, I don't recall timing it, this show, I probably did. I've gotten off that in more recent years. But I remember the number of glow sticks that were being thrown at the stage during that ego pose, so much so that Trey was actually dodging some of them as he's standing there holding the note. So I I did forget about that glow stick war until you just mentioned it. And then we talked about this ego pause and that sparked that memory of him standing there and just watching all of these glow sticks come towards the stage. I remember because I was with a different friend of ours up kind of in the rafters. They dumped a huge box of orange glow sticks over the corner right across from us. Right after that, it started firing on all cylinders right towards the stage, towards Trey. I I haven't seen that, I don't think, since um, probably Festies. You know, when you go to a festival, you you see that. But uh, that was an indoor arena, so that was crazy. That's an awesome memory. Yeah, I remember the same thing. I actually remember him coming out of uh, the pause, catching a few of them in his hands, and then Fishman, and then it kicks right back off, you know? I mean, that that was a really memorable glow stick war, whatever you want to call it. Battle. (laughs) Yeah, and the arena there, Greensboro, it was weird. Christian kept saying, oh, this is where the ACC championship is played every year. Len Bias. Being a Maryland Terps fan who are no, obviously no longer in the ACC. This isn't a sports show. And the floor, if I recall, was it the whole arena was general admission or was it just the floor? Because I remember being on the floor standing next to another friend of ours, having some space and then not having some space and then some people came down. Was the whole venue GA or was just the floor GA? So I believe the whole venue was GA because I remember being on the floor with you first set and then Kimberly and I left second set because she was getting crushed with some of those waves because Kimberly is a very small woman as well uh like 5'1 and I'm 6'2 so you know my advantage is if I can see shows and she can't so second set we actually went up into the rafters and I watched up there for the second set which was when we get to it amazing as well aside from that unmentionable song right smack in the middle of the set this was a fun set so just to quickly review that first set, they opened up with They Chalked Us Torture, MoMA Dance, Foam, Lawn Boy, Zero, Divided Sky, Mountains in the Mist, Waves, and they closed out with a sample in a jar. Uh, this is where the term happy hour got coined. I was with the party of ours up in the rafters, and everybody was at a Tinder meeting before there was Tinder. <laughs> they were talking about where they worked, who they hung out with, 
it was like happy hour up there. So we quickly moved and then enjoyed the rest of the stuff. You're going to get that on the Saturday show. Unfortunately, when you get to a venue, people are having a good time. The weather was crappy outside, so they got inside. I think people started to feel whatever they were doing out in the parking lot. And there's a lot of chompers in the fish community. Sometimes you stand next to them. Yeah, it was definitely like some sort of uh, reality show up there. Anyway. Yeah, so I, I want to get into the second set. So we'll take a quick look here. The second set opened with Rock and Roll. Wilson, a really nice piper coming in at 17 minutes. And also Sprach Zarathustra, also known as 2001. Wolfman's Boogie on Reggae Woman, Velvet Sea, Antelope, Carolina, closed out the second set, and a triple encore at this particular show. They started with the first tube, an 18-minute You Enjoy Myself, and closed it with a Proud Mary. So my question, Bill, out of that rock and roll into Wilson, into Piper, into 2001, into Wolfman's, into Boogie On, was the most memorable of that jamming right there? Starting with, I mean, I, I liked all of them, honestly. The Piper and the 2001. I'm a big fan of Piper. I've always liked Piper. They never do that song wrong. Even on the short versions, it's a jam. You know, they don't cut it off. It doesn't suddenly become a two-minute whatever. There is no short Pipers. And 2001, I'm a big fan of 2001 because that is a Corona song. It always is a Corona song. And you guys know I'm, I'm a huge, huge Light fan. I think Corona is under-respected in the fish community for what he does to create that atmosphere at those shows. And every venue, he creates a different atmosphere, but yet it still translates over top of the music that they're playing. I mean, he has separate rigs, like the rig versus MSG, versus different tours, you know. Those two right there, those were the moments for me. And I know Skinny, probably when he listened back, Oye Como Va? Yeah, so I have heard this but in my experience, I've seen that a couple times. And I'm always like, ah, or you'll come And everyone's like, no, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, Carlos Santana, everybody's like, I don't hear that. And then on the re-listen, they're like, oh yeah, I get it. I'm like, so I'm always the guy that, like, oh, I hear that right then, and nobody believes me. I don't know why that is. I think it's my face, but I, <laughs> maybe it, it belies like some trust about what I'm actually hearing, uh, but I'm pretty good at that. And that for me in the second set was super cool. I agree with you, like the 2001 too on Relisten is amazing. Fishman to me creates a certain pocket. The, I mean, honestly, the Piper in 2001 was the, the best part of it for me. I mean, the, I, I can talk about the rock and roll. I mean, that rock and roll, you know, when 2.0, you start with the rock and roll, you know that set's going to be jamming. I mean, I think that mirrored the chalk dust in the first set. You knew they're coming out firing hard with the guns, you know. That Wilson, the Wilson was really good, too. I've been to some Wilsons where the crowd doesn't get it immediately. Right off the first, dun, 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 like everybody was on that. That's Wilson, which is weird because you get, you know, not every show that everybody's on that right away. That is actually one of the few crowd songs that I like. Wolfman's was actually my piss song. 
the boogie on. I mean, who doesn't love Stevie Wonder? Uh, the waiting in the Velvet Sea. We don't want to have another show after this one where we got to apologize for what we said about waiting in the Velvet Sea when somebody fell in love and got engaged on the floor of some other concert venue about waiting in the Velvet Sea. We're just going to move on. So Waiting in Velvet Sea, I like the song. It just sucked in this location. It killed the vibe at this at this venue. I mean, dude, you're coming off that long stretch with ending with a boogie and then you throw in a Waiting in the Velvet Sea. I mean, come on. That was probably one of the worst placements of all the songs in the whole second set. Total killer. And that's why I think that antelope, when they came back, they crushed that antelope. Dude, they get it going at like seven minute mark. They're just crushing it, dude. It is high energy. They're wiping everybody back up and you're like, hey, we're sorry for dropping that velvet on you. Or was it Velveeta or whatever it was at that point. That antelope was awesome. And then to come in with that Carolina right after that, way to end it strong. For me, the only ding on that whole set is really the waiting in the Velvet Sea. And I actually like that song. It was just a placement thing for me and the way it suck energy out of that set. So you didn't agree with it? Case by case. And one of the things that we have alluded to in previous episodes of Stub Me Down is set list structure. They know how to build and build and build and build to this peak. Sometimes I feel like they let the air out of the balloon maybe a little bit earlier than the crowd is ready to, and it becomes a little bit of a judgment call. Objectively, and I say this as somebody who's on a podcast where everything is subjective, I agree with you. I think that that was a misplaced Velvet Sea. They could have put a different take a breather, slow down song before finishing the set, but who knows what they do, why they do, and how they do it. For me, this would not be considered what Skinny might call a top to bottom show. However, both sets were very, very good, very, very high energy. I will forgive them for the Velvet Sea based on everything else they played in that set. Skinny, you have one more question for Billy? Two more questions? Five? Ten? <laughs> Dude, man, don't push me here. No, I, <laughs> I have one more question. I really like what Billy said there because I would have rather heard a circus there or a rogue or anything else but a waiting. Somehow it just really brought it way down. And, and, and on re-listen, I think you'll get that message. But I'm not a rock and roll star, so what do I know? And, and we'll review this set, obviously, but I wanted to talk about the encore to the first two, you enjoy myself and a proud Mary. I know Billy has heard a shit ton of YEMs. I know they played it more than probably any song they've ever played, but I really love a Yem no matter where it is, and I've, I've heard it in a bunch of different positions. I wanted to hear Billy's take on, on Fishman's lockdown and uh, the jam out part of this one. Is Fish underrated member of the band? No. I mean, no. There is no beat section without him. I mean, yeah, Trey can hop back there and do other things. He plays his part. He plays his role. He's not underrated. He's no less underrated than anybody else in the band. I mean, they are a band. They're all equal parts. You don't have fish without all four of them. Pure and simple. But to answer your question about the M, so I've seen 29 Yams which is my, tied for my most common scene song with Harry Hood, which is also 29. Thought it was character zero. No, 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 that's that, for on course. That's for on course. You know, this, this gem was fantastic. They play it, you know, double digit time all the time, consistently well, it's sharp, it's crisp. It was very fitting where they put it right here. After that first tube, you got all jazzy and you're like, all right, so maybe we'll drop something quick right here. Maybe a dog log or something, you know, like, and 
they drop a yem and you're like, oh my God, this is awesome. You know, this is a great way to end 2003 winter tour. Awesome, give it to me. I've heard some yams with Billy and Josh, of course. It's my favorite song. I don't care what anybody says. I'm, I'm a yam head. It has so many breakdowns. It's a huge composition. And My favorite part about the yam actually was the lack of vocals at the end. That is my least favorite part of yam. Like I am usually, if this is the last song I'm seeing of a set or whatever, I'm headed out at that point by the vocalizations. I can't stand the vocalization. The only person I want to hear vocalizing is Henrietta. If it isn't Henrietta vocalizing at the end of the song, I don't care about anybody else. All that loud screeching noise sounds like a crying baby. I live next to a crying baby and they're obnoxious. But this one right here, if you listen to the transition, the vocalizations actually go right into that proud Mary acapella, which is very, very smooth. So, you know, out of all the yems I've heard, this is one of the smoothest yems transitions into that. That was just fantastic. And it's one of the very few ones that I've heard where I don't actually skip that, the vocalizations that they do at the end of the song. I didn't know that the only time they ever played that was their very first show in 1983. I did not know that. That's one of those kind of things that's like stupid fish history. You're like, God, I hope they never play that again. You know, like I said earlier, like and we've seen a couple of other ones, you know, like songs that you know that they're never going to play, like Thunder Road that we saw and, and uh, Portsmouth right after what's his name died. They're never going to play Thunder Road again. They play that strictly. They prepared strictly for uh, I can't remember who passed away, but for his parents. Yes, for his honor. And you're never going to see that again. And that's a nice piece of your own personal fish history that you can take around with you. I mean, yeah, the 29 yams and the 29 hoods, that's cool and all too, but you're not talking about that. You're talking about these individual songs that you've seen and you talk to other people and lots or shows or whatever else. On Stub Me Down, Billy, we call that fish nerdery. You're welcome anytime. I'm the fish nerd and Christian makes fun of me because of that. And, and, and skinny too, with all of us, you know, I mean, like we, we have that group of friends that we see at shows that pop in and out all the time. And, you know, to have these bits and pieces to share with our friends. I mean, I'll never gonna forget that. That's what makes the shows the show. And that is something we've talked about. And obviously one of the, the main central points of stubbing people down. And the whole idea is that we are trying to enjoy this very special music with our closest friends. If we can bring them down to be with us during a show, we, we talked a little bit about the offense that people might take on the stub down, I won't revisit that. But if we can do it as a group, going to these shows together, honestly, it's one of the reasons why when we have summer tours, I'm a lawn boy because that way everybody can be together. We can all crew up on um, whatever lawn we're on. Even if people have good seats, they can come out and chill for a couple of songs, start the show with us, come out for set break. What it is, it's a crew experience. I think that was one of the reasons why Christian and I wanted to get you on as our very first guest. You're basically our very first fan for the podcast that doesn't live with either of us. <laughs> You have been part of the crew, our crew, going back almost 20 years now. It's crazy that we've seen as much as we have. I also didn't realize that the only other time they had played that Proud Mary was at their very first show in 1983, 20 years before. So that's a, that's a pretty cool little feather in your cap. And let me just review that second set. Rock and Roll, Wilson, Piper, also Sprock Zalathustra or 2001, 
Wolfman's Boogie On, Waiting in the Velvet Sea, Run Like an Antelope, Carolina, and then they encore with First Tube, You Enjoy Myself, and that rolled into a acapella version of Proud Mary. So a really cool show, a ton of fun. We had a great time going down there. I remember the drive down. We had my car at the time was packed. What did we have? Six people in that car, and it was not a car for six people. We we all packed into some shithole hotel room. Somebody showed up that didn't have a hotel room. There was a situation about some canned tomatoes at Jack Astor's and a cowboy hat. All sorts of interesting things happened. I was a straw hat. It was not a cowboy hat. I, I would never, ever take someone's cowboy hat. Billy, anything else you want to touch on as far as the show itself trip down there anything you have you didn't get the opportunity to talk about that you want to include in a discussion of this greensboro show from march 1st 2003 man so i mean i guess the last point about this whole show is a lesson i learned post-show is that you don't get taco bell after a show ever so i came out of this show on just the high energy drained physically from dancing on concrete with old man legs famished made the rookie mistake, didn't stop and have the post-show sub already at the hotel room. So we had Taco Bell, the smell of the Taco Bell all the way home did me in. I literally pull into the hotel room, barf up all of the liquid that was in my belly from the show, go right into the room and pass out with the three dogs that we had brought in, Kimberly. Woke up the next morning and had the Taco Bell, which was fantastic. <laughs> but that evening, it was terrible. So never get Taco Bell post-show unless you want to eat it for breakfast. At least it didn't go to waste. That's right. That is right. I believe we've derailed. Let me just say it was one of my uh, 2.0 classic driving moves. Get to the location and then open the door and uh, empty my stomach. Do you remember when we came out of the show and we were waiting for everybody collectively? We were all packed under the tailgate of my car and there was, gosh, there must have been six or seven of us trying to stay out of the rain under that tailgate. I was going to say, post 9-11, now this is 2003, if you had an umbrella going up to the show, when I got out, I'm always like one of the first people to leave the show for whatever reason. Don't judge me. There was a pile of umbrellas about six feet and 15 feet wide. So it was crazy because the rain was coming down. Uh, but those are one of those changes that you think about, like when you see shows in those different eras, you can't bring your umbrella in. Like it's, you know, it was a weapon or something. <laughs> like, I don't know how anybody at that show would have known how to use that as a weapon. Just a great show overall, a great end to this tour. Certainly not every show was a banger, but you can definitely go back through this tour and find plenty of music to check out once again. I would definitely say give this whole show a listen from start to finish. If you do happen to skip over the fifth track, I would not blame you, but definitely worth a re-listen. We like to talk about here on Stub Me Down, one of the big things is that re-listenability and Greensboro, March 1st, 2003, definitely had it. Billy, a huge, huge thank you for being the first guest on Stub Me Down. A huge thank you for giving the first few episodes a listen and giving us some honest and you know, real feedback that was very important to how Skinny and I are are trying to build this podcast out. We're we're super grateful for you. We love you. It's awesome that we get to see shows with you. 
I'm glad we got to revisit this one because this was a super powerful show for us. Please, I hope you'll you'll be a guest on the pod again. Stub me down. Would love to have you. We we really appreciate you. Hey guys. Well, I want to thank both of you. You know, this is awesome. Like listening to you guys talk about the shows that you're doing, to live through some of your memories, just knowing you guys. I mean, I can feel like I'm there at some of those shows, you know, I mean, and also of knowing you guys for as long as I've known both of you, I've actually learned new things about both of you guys listening to your podcast that I didn't know, which is also pretty cool because, you know, some of that stuff gets lost in the, the mix sometimes. Can I tell everybody how much I love Billy too? So Billy's been around too forever. We waited tables together and bartended and all that stuff. You know, if you don't know our contacts, Billy's an old, old friend. JW and I have been friends for 20 years. Billy and I have been friends for a little bit longer than that. So it's so great to have you on. And we're super thankful for you. I have a lot of gratitude for uh, your insight into this show. And I'm so glad you stubbed this down, man. Thanks. Well, thank you guys so much. I can't thank you enough and i wish you guys nothing but massive success with this you know going forward and i look forward to being on here again in the future episode 420 sure and the older we get the more complicated everybody's lives get it's a little bit harder to keep the same level of contact especially now we're dealing with this crisis and nobody can really get together obviously all of the shows that we were all planning on going to have been canceled were postponed so Having the opportunity to chill with you, talk about this show, revisit this music, a special opportunity and grateful to have you. Great show. Thanks for stubbing us down, Bill. And a big thank you to anybody that was listening to this episode. We really appreciate you coming out, giving us a try once again. Five episodes in, hopefully you've had some fun. Hopefully, more importantly, you've checked out some good music that Skinny and I have talked about. We hope that you will continue to check us out. You can check us out on the socials. We're on Twitter at stub underscore me underscore down. And we are also on Instagram, same handle, stub underscore me underscore down. Check us out, leave some comments, tell us we suck, tell us we're awesome. Leave some comments if you've been to any of these shows, we'd love to hear it. And we will see you the next time you gotta get out of your shitty seats and down to the path. Bye, Bill. Yeah.